0: Man, we, we have just begun this study in the book of Ruth last weekend, so if uh, this is your first time with us or you missed last weekend, there's great news. We've had audio online. We quit selling CDs years ago. That kind of, I mean, that went pretty good, but then, you know, everybody started doing MP3s and online, and everything's just free, so I mean, why sell it anymore? And uh, so it's, they're all there, and you can go back, and, and then about a year ago or six, eight months ago, Jeff brought technology in. And we had uh, their videos of the sermons. We can't do the music because of copyright, and I, I hate that for you, but uh, we, there's, uh, the messages are there. So go back and catch up. Go over Ruth 1. We're in the book of Ruth. We're going to go to chapter 2, uh, and it's right after the book of Judges, if that helps you. And uh, it's the eighth book of the, of the Bible, of the Old Testament. And uh, we talked last weekend about Ruth, the Moabite, and uh, just her life, and Man, mean, how she speaks to us. And we, I, I, if you remember saying, I said to you that it's really a chick flick. You know, it's a love story. I mean, there's nothing blown up. There's no great kings come to power or anybody killing or stealing anybody's wife or anything. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a lot of dialogue. Some of you thought that was funny. Some of you think, I don't think that's funny. I think that should be life for all of us. Okay, but it's a, it's a great story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of hope. And, uh, and that's what I call this series is Ruth. But if you want to know, under that, I'd go finding hope. Man, Ruth found hope in her God. She found hope in her kinsman and redeemer. But uh, we're going to talk about that today. And the book teaches that when you go through trouble, and we all will, you need to know about your God. When you go, write that down. That's just a bonus because you showed up. When you go through trouble, you need to know about your God. See, she was a Moabite, and they worshiped. Foreign gods, they were satanic gods. And she married into a family that had had a history of, of walking with God. And they went down to Moab and stayed in there about 10 years. But yet, along there, she had learned from her family about Jehovah, about the true God. And she had an amazing faith. I'm going to talk today about there's a foreshadowing of Jesus. You see, I've always been a proponent that if you love christ and you love grace and you love the new testament you need to go back and read the old testament christ is concealed in the old testament he's revealed in the new testament and we live in this dispensation of grace in 2013 but if you'll go back you'll you'll see christ if you look you'll see four shadows of christ and traveling back to bethlehem from moab is where we pick up and that's where they find themselves in a story in uh, There's this overarching theme all through Ruth, and it would be this. My God is sovereign. My God is in control. My God is my refuge. My God is my king. He's a God of sovereign providence, and he takes care of those that love him. I I want you to open, if you haven't already, to chapter 2, and I want you to stand with me. We're going to read just 13 verses, chapter 2. It's only 80 verses in the entire book, and I'm not going to read all of them. You're like, well, thank you, Jesus. You should have come Friday night. We stood for two and a half hours, and it was amazing. No, we didn't stand for two and a half hours. We stood, and we worshiped, and we knelt. just want to put a plug in. You don't want to miss it. Chapter 2. It says, now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. And one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let us go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz." the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. She grieved the harvesters, and the Lord be with you, he said. And the Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. We'll come back to that later. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? In other words, in verse 5, that is one hot woman over there. Who is that babe? That's just loose Hebrew, okay? Just hold with me. Verse six And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back when Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. And she's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes, rest in the shelter. And Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. And when you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they're harvesting, and then follow them. I've warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. And Ruth fell at its feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. And I hope to continue to please you, sir," she replied, "You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. You be seated. And just 13 little verses from the book of Ruth, chapter two. Now there's some amazing stories because up to this point, Ruth is, uh, man, she's getting in on God's plan. She's understanding that God's in control. She's yielding to this sovereign thing. She's yielding to Jehovah. Now, Naomi is the godly woman, if you will. But Naomi has done kind of grown bitter and old and cranky, and hope's about to come to her life. It hadn't got there yet, but like Ruth's like leading the way. Ruth, Ruth has kind of figured this out because God has promised to keep his people. There's a, a topology. Now, this is just a little extra bonus stuff if you want to. It's not in your notes. I'm just going to give it to you. I'll move through it quickly. There's a typology. It's a character or image that presents a picture of spiritual truth. And there's a lot of typology in this section. Let me give them to you. Abraham is God is, is a representation of God the Father. Isaac here is a is a, a foreshadowing of Christ the Son. Elimelech is the faithless father because he is a faithless person. It, had he uh, been faithful, he wouldn't have ever gone down to Moab. Malon and Kilion, they're sickly sons. We talked about that last weekend. Naomi is a representation here of the nation of Israel, the Jews. Orpah is the she represents the unbelieving Gentile generation. Ruth is the represents the believing Gentile nation. How many of you are glad for Ruth this morning since we're Gentiles for the most part? You, you, you ought to be. And the harvest. And the scripture represents the end of the age which will come. And Boaz, I love Boaz. Boaz is Christ the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer, which I'll try to get into over the next couple of weeks. But it's just a powerful story of God's grace. Now, let's look here. We're just going to try to walk through it. Verse 1. Boaz is a wealthy, influential, powerful man. He's worth imitating. He has the character of God. In other words, he didn't live in 2013, but he wasn't the guy that sat on the couch and was a bum. And he just sat there all the time. He, he, he was a man that had respect, and he had honor, and he had valor. And, I mean, Boaz, isn't that a cool name? Just call him Bo for short. I mean, isn't that a great name? Okay, you're not an Auburn fan. You know, Bo was a great name over here at Auburn. So we just call him Bo if you want to. Okay. And so, but all through Scripture, it keeps reminding them, Now, she was a Moabite. She was from Moab. And it's like it just keeps repeating like it wants to keep throwing back. Now, you're a Moab. You're a a Moabite. You're a Moabitess. You're a foreigner. You're from another place. And And they wanted to push her down. Isn't that just like our enemy that he always wants to push us down and tell us what we used to be? Does anybody ever struggle with that besides me? That the devil tries to remind you of your past, and he tries to remind you of where you've come from. And so let's move on to verse two. So one day Ruth a Moabite she goes and she goes out to the harvest field. I want you to fill in the blank. She approaches the need responsibly. She has a need. Her and Naomi are hungry. You know you know what I love about this story. Now I'm, I'm gonna get on the sidebar, but it's all gonna make sense. We live in an entitlement age, and I can't stand it because I don't see anything biblical about entitlement. And the body of Christ said. And you need to work. The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, I know you've got people that are oppressed and people that have conditions and that. And I'm all for that. And I'm thankful that our government sets all that out. But just, I mean, I was at my dentist not long ago. And he talked about somebody says, well, they get more money if they stay home. So they won't go get a job. The Bible says, go get a job. And the church said. Uh, You know, all this entitlement. Oh, you know what? You know, Ruth could have said, well, you know, I'm a Moabite. Nobody likes me. I'm going to starve to death. No, she didn't. The Bible says that she went to work. And we're going to see how he notices it. So she approaches the need responsibly. You know what? God doesn't bless lazy people, does he? Did your parents ever tell you, don't you be lazy. You'll never get through school if you do that. Get up. Be diligent. Be disciplined. Ruth is a hard worker right up beside that. Ruth took risk, but she took the initiative. I love people that take initiative. I'm Phil or I'm surrounded by a lot of you that love to take initiative. There might be somebody here today that take initiative, and and, and maybe this is the word for you today. Take initiative. Verse 2, she begins to glean and pick up, and Ruth decides, i got to bring home the bacon. Ain't nobody going to bring it home for me? My my mother-in-law, she's kind of old, worn out, and she's kind of bitter anyway. She ain't going to do nothing. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something. So wheat and barley's out there and they're, and they're going to go behind the reapers and they're going to uh, bundle them up and they're going to have something to eat. But here's Ruth. She's in a foreign land. And yet she finds her refuge in the shelter of the Almighty. You know what Ruth would say to you and me? God is my provider. Jehovah meets all my needs. I look to him. He's never forsaken me. So... He tells her, he says, well, glean, pick up the leftovers. You know, it was a Hebrew way of how you took care of the poor and of the oppressed. In other words, it was the Hebrew welfare system of the day. It really was. And it, 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 was a, and it, and it says, now, when you leave something, don't go back and pick it up. Just leave it there. That'll be for people from out of town. That'll be for the oppressed. That'll be for the poor. That'll be for others. But don't go back, and then don't go back in the corners. Don't go in the corners. Leave the corners because they can get some extra food there. God was providing. You know what I know from Isaiah 58? God has always been concerned for the poor, and God will always be concerned for the poor, and therefore, as Christ followers, we need to love the poor, and we need to love them and serve them in Jesus' name. It's a great place for an amen, but I don't guess you're feeling it. Okay. So, gotta coach y'all something. So she happened to come to this field. You think she happened to come to this field? Think she happened by happenstance? You think by just circumstances? She came to this field. In the overall context here is really there's providence. There's the, the providence, the provision of God is working. And in verse 3. She goes out and uh, works in this field, and she sees how God works, and God is sovereign, and God is in control, and is the providence of God. And I know some of you are like, dude, I like it, Pastor, when you start talking about the providence and the sovereignty of God, because I believe in it. But I'm also, let me just go ahead, just free, because you're here, I'm, I'm, I'm an Arminian means I'm, I'm trained in Wesleyanism and, a, and I'm, I'm trained in free will, and I believe in free will, and I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I'm hoping right now I'm making some of you mad, and I'm hoping right now I'm stirring some of you up, because let me tell you what I learned a long time ago. You can argue both sides of the coin, but our God is great. We sing about it. Our God is a mystery, and nobody figures out God. Hallelujah. Well, I don't guess all of you agree with me. That's okay. He does it all. He is sovereign. He is in control. You know what? The New Testament appeals to free will, though, about, hey, if you choose to do this, this, and this, all this works. So it's all in the scripture. You you can find it right there biblically, and you're like, well, theologically, I was trained this way. Hey, I was theologically trained that way, but I got to tell you, at the end of the day, I've decided it doesn't matter what system or what train I got on. I just want to love God's word. I want to keep following Jesus, and I want to keep figuring out. I ain't figured it all out, but I'm going to seek the one who brought me to the dance. Amen? He's a good God. You're like, okay, well, all right, so, because, you know, we have this capacity to love God. Look at, right down this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. How many believe God establishes your steps? Absolutely. He knew you were going to be here today. He established your steps to walk into a house of worship. He established you to do this. God provided for Ruth. He provided for Naomi, and Naomi begins to soften but you know what? I, if you didn't hear it last weekend, let me say it again. Naomi loved her daughter-in-laws. She loved Orpah. She loved Ruth. Now, Orpah wasn't too long-lived because Orpah uh, decided she'd go back home because Mama said, hey, go back to your foreign land. Go back and get your husband. That's okay. Go ahead. And Orpah said, see ya. Not quite that short, but she cried, and then she left. And Ruth said, no, I, I'll go where you go. Your God is my God, and I'll lodge where you lodge. And we pick up the story. Now next weekend, oh, girls, it's going to be romantic. Okay, so come. All right, here we go. Little, little, little things make a big difference. How many of you think little things make a big difference? Just little decisions and little steps in your life, and, um, but these, these little steps of faith, and Ruth begins to do stuff, and she walks out in the field, and she works, and she takes little steps. A lot of us are looking for, God, what's the next leap of faith? God, what's the next big step of faith? I just want to encourage you, take the next little step. Take just the next step where the light of Christ has shined on your life. And it turns out that she found herself working in a field that belonged from Boaz. And Boaz arrives from a trip, and he comes in. And, uh, man, a, there's, he's, there's kind of a foreshadowing of Christ here. But look at verse 4. So Boaz is here from Bethlehem. He arrives in. And, and look what he says. I, I, I like this. He goes... The Lord be with you. And then the, the, and the other ones go, well, the Lord bless you. Now, can you imagine if, if, I, if I show up uh, in the office in the morning and, and I come in and I go, and may the Lord shine upon you, LB and Jeff and Chrissy and team, and the Lord be with you. I mean, y'all go, y'all say that kind of stuff around here? We are the church. No, we don't say stuff like that. But here's the deal. On Sunday morning, people kind of have this God talk. And God bless you, brother, and may it be with you. And you, you jerk, you know, you cut me off in the parking lot. You know, we, we change ever so quickly. But you know what it tells me about Boaz? Boaz had God. And it was just his, it was his customary greeting. He said, like, hey, God be with you? And the Lord be with you, Boaz. I mean, I, I would love it if, I got to watch, Blake works here. He'll probably start giving me some greeting or something. Okay, all right, anyway, so we, we come, we, uh, uh, Blake, don't do that. Okay, so. Youth, don't you do it either. Here's what it was. Boaz was virtuous. He was godly. He knew God. Ruth knew God. And uh, You know what else I see here? This young woman from Moab, right now if you're taking notes, she's a Proverbs 31 woman. She's a diligent, hard-working woman. She makes a difference. She's, a, she, she's just, you know, uh, she, she's trying to be true to God. And, and I would say to this to, to you women today. You know, are, are, are you looking for a guy? Don't yell it out. Number one, look for a guy that loves Jesus. And here's the next tip. Look for a guy that's got a job. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, let's pass the plate again. That, that seemed to kind of resonate with you. all Okay. All right. There, there, there's character and action here. Yeah, I thought it was funny, huh? All right. So, so Ruth, 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 Ruth's uh, demonstrating her genuine faith in God. She, she's following God. She, in, in verse seven, it says, "She went to the field and she worked steadily." Man, that was one hard-working woman. I mean, man, she, she knew, man, she was committed. And a matter of fact, the foreman for Boaz, he noticed this woman. Let me give you a side principle we work as unto the lord not to man everybody we all need to be diligent in our work right church and people will notice it that's what's that's the indictment on this generation and this generation won't work and i say let's refute that as the body of faith as believers in jesus christ let's be known for our hard work amen so i'm like well man i don't know well yeah you work hard you keep a job you work hard you might get promoted you be a bum and you try to fudge and come in late and go home early and all that, hey, you know, they'll, they'll find somebody else. You know what else I learned from Ruth? God loves nobodies. She's just a whole Moabite woman in a foreign land with a foreign God. And we're going to see the love of Jesus for this woman. The love of the Father. God loves nobodies. Hey, we were all nobody till Christ came in and made us the precious treasure of heaven and he redeems us. So let's move with it. So in verse 7, let me glean. And she asks in humility: could could I glean? Could I I gather from your field? You know what I learned about Ruth? She's She's a humble woman. She bows to the ground. That's the Hebrew way of being grateful. Kisses the dirt or whatever, and then she gets up and she wants to work, and she's a humble person. The, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what God did in this book here? I see grace. He graced Ruth. Oh, he did. Look at verse 8 and 9. Fill this in. Applauding responsibility with provision. That's what the father does. That's what Boaz does for this woman, for Ruth. He's kind. He's gentle. He didn't put her down. He calls her his daughter, he provides for he protects her he loves her and then he even provides her community and he provides her friends and he goes ruth you're safe here you're you're safe in in my vineyard. you're safe in my field there's a protection of life write down psalm 121 verse 5 the lord is your keeper the lord watches over you in the night and in the day the lord is your rear guard but the lord is your keeper and you know What does Boaz look for? Is he looking for looks or is he looking for legacy? A lot of commentators go, oh, Ruth, she was hot. She was a babe. She was good looking. And and my Bible's got a picture. Y'all come here and let's look. No, I don't have pictures in my Bible. You know, I'm not sure Ruth was a stunning woman. You say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, hold on. Let me tell you why. Ruth was out working in the field. She was out in her dirty, worn dress. She worked hard. Now, women, I, I just want to ask you something. Do you look your best when you come in from working outside or working in the field or doing everything, or is it after you kind of stood in front of the mirror and kind of dialed up and said, hey, mirror, mirror, who's the fairest?" So, no, anyway, you're going, hey. You know, you, you know you get, you're looking your best. At this point, you know what, you know what he notices is the foreman noticed, and Boaz noticed, this woman's got character. This woman's godly. This woman's of value. He looked at her heart. He looked at inward beauty. Now, I'm not saying she wasn't beautiful, but I mean, so, how, many, how many of you want a person that's got inward beauty more than outward beauty? Well, somebody didn't raise your hand. Okay, all right, well, you know. We'll see how that's working for you in about 25 years, okay? 30 years, 40 years. I was gonna give an illustration, but God said, keep it to myself. Okay, here we go. Here Uh, I I do run a filter through this mouth sometimes. I just want y'all to know. Okay. Here's what I want you to do: convert, write down the word converge. We need to converge with a plan of God. Ruth converges with the plan of Jehovah to serve Boaz, to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. In verse 9, he says, he says, I've told the men, don't you put your hand on that woman. I only suppose in that day women were seen as property. Modern day slavery, they were seen, they were not dignified, they were not valued as the Father had created them. And Boaz shows us in Holy Scripture that every person has value, and I go, especially women, hallelujah. He says, nobody touch this woman. She's in my field. I'm going to care for her. I'm going to give her community. Um, community he, he you know he says hey get a drink where just go over there and drink from the well and i think it might be a picture of the living water hey go drink of the well that'll never run dry you go you go drink over there. you don't have to go get water yourself but have community come come live here among us and serve i went to the hospital mike and i went to the hospital to see uh, deb Moore. she had back surgery you can be praying for deb and uh we walked into the room and i saw wish i had the video camera it was the perfect picture of community. I got there, and there was her small group all sitting around the bed, laughing and telling stories and praying and encouraging. and just It, it, was, it was awesome. She was not alone. She had community. Why not tell you that story? Because I'm always telling you, don't do life alone. Do life together. And then verse 10 and 11, she, Ruth, acknowledges the kindness of Boaz. You know what I'd write in parentheses? gratitude jumps all out of the woman Ruth. Gratitude was expressed from her heart. She was grateful and she knew nothing of entitlement. She only knew the goodness of God, the goodness of Boaz, this man. And and she says here in scripture, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law. But now I see it with my eyes. You serve with such a pure heart. And may you be richly rewarded by the Lord under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This man, he's just godly, man. He's speaking blessings. You know, that's a job for you and me to speak blessings over one another, and, and, and there's favor here. Do we long for the favor of God? Let me ask that again. Do you long for the favor of God? I long for that. I want the favor of God. I've prayed Psalm 5 over my family for over three decades, I've prayed favor in my life. I pray favor of this church. I pray favor over you. If you tell me, I'm gonna take you to Psalm five and say, "Surround me with favor like a shield." How many of you believe God hears that prayer? I do. When my heart is clean and pure and holy before Him, and I go, God, I want your favor. You know, Ruth was the talk of Bethlehem. The people were talking. I mean, Boaz, man, Boaz had the... He had some of this, baby. He had. Some, I better say it because on. on on the line, I go, man, what, what's that? He had money. He had a lot of it. He had dignity. He had character. He had influence. He had a feel for crying out loud. Some people were talking about her, and Boaz just reached down and gives her grace, the unmerited favor of God. You know what God did for you and me? I just I here being a bum, doing my own thing. I was a foreigner. I wasn't a Moab. I was just lost. And then the grace of Jesus touched me and found me in the field. This week's really special to me. On Tuesday, I'll be 35 years old. (laughs) Whoa, are you laughing? (laughs) I celebrate two birthdays. I celebrate my physical, which I did January. And in January, I celebrate my spiritual. I'll be 35 years old that I met Jesus. 35! Whoa! Whoa! You should be more Christ-like. You've been following him 35 years. Well, I've been kind of thinking about you, too. Okay, anyway, but here is the deal. I'm excited, man, 35 years. I didn't know if I'd live to be this age, you know, and I hope I got a lot more, but here's the deal. We encounter Jesus. He's, you know, here's the thing. You don't bring anything to the table. Here's the thing. Pastor, have you seen me? I've seen you. Hey, have you seen my education? Have you seen my deeds? Have you seen this? That's good. The Bible says that's as filthy rags unto the Lord. Now, they're important and keep doing right, do righteous deeds, but God finds you. I get astonished over this grace. In John 15, 16, I want you to write down, John 15, 16. I've always loved John 15. Matter of fact, the thought just came to me. The day that Rachel was born, 28 years ago, we didn't have the sweets that y'all have today. We had a gnarly look of room with a straight-back, horrible, hard chair, and I had a beautiful bride laying in a bed with a baby. I made a mistake. We'd been there for hours. I said, "My back's hurting me., "Oh, you know, like, I shouldn't have said that." <laughs> like, "No, baby, you're doing good, you're doing real good." And I come up and see y'all now, y'all got recliners and you got uh, ESPN and you all hanging out. it ain't right. But I'd sit there, and I'd pray for her, and she goes, you know, man, she, she gave me two beautiful girls, and I remember I had my Bible over there, and every once in a while, she'd kind of close her eyes, you know. And, you know, I knew I'm a hee-hee breathing and all that. She told me, take the hee-hee and go over there, okay. <laughs> and uh, I started reading John, it's my favorite gospel. I read John 15 that day, over and over, before my little girl came. And listen to what John says in the 16th verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whenever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. I was asking the Father for something. I was asking him for a beautiful little girl, a little precious girl that would love Jesus. And she'd bear fruit. She came to Jesus at three years old. She's made her mom and dad real proud. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ask God for His favor. Hey, this ain't in my notes, and I can't even see the screen right now. I oh, here we we'll get there. All right, here we go. Just wait till the little granddaughter gets here. Oh, you think I'm mush now? Here we go. All right, here we go. here. Let's be mad. Hey, hey, Bo, get me back here, baby. Here we go. Right, verse eleven. Knew the history of this woman. You know, he knew the history of this woman. Who do you think been tweeting, Bo, in the field? you think he'd been on Facebook? <laughs> All right, if you're on Facebook, you thought it was funny. If you did, you don't get it. Okay, let's just keep moving. I thought I'd use a modern illustration. That's what they told us in seminary. And, and 20 years from now, i go, hey, I was tweeting. They're like, you're a twit. Whatever. All right, here we go. All right. <laughs> All right, she believed God. You know what? Nationally, um, Ruth had been rejected. Personally, she was received. She was received by God, and she was received by Boaz. In 1 John, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God? We are. Paul says it over in Ephesians 6. We are now accepted in the Beloved. You're accepted in the Beloved this morning. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. And once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I bet Ruth, 1 Peter had not been written, but she illustrates this verse. She was a people of God, she'd received mercy. So let's go to verse 12. Admiration for the God of her refuge. Boaz had great admiration for God. And for the God of his life, the God that was his refuge, but definitely that the God that was a refuge of Ruth, of where she hid. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May the Lord richly reward uh, you, be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, who's under, whose wings you have come to take refuge. Look at verse 12. Under whose wings, underline that. We get to get hid under the wings of God. How many of you like that this morning? being hid under the wings of the Almighty. It's a safe place. He is our refuge. He repays us. He entrusts to us those that will find their reward in Him that produces hope in our life. His name will always receive glory and honor and praise when we trust Him. When we hide in Christ, God gets glorified. It's when we come out from Christ, and when we come out in the flesh, God does it. Oh Jerusalem, who would gather you like chicks, but I would gather you... Like chicks under my wing. God longs to gather you and me this morning. An act of kindness. She gets comfort. She gets the joys. In verse 13, she finds favor. She trusts him. It's an overflowing heart from Ruth. In verse 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? She said, You have put me at ease. You spoke kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants, but you spoke kind. You graced me, you gave me favor. Oh, I pray that for us. Overflowing from the heart of Ruth was a desire to please Boaz. Who are you pleasing? Are you pleasing God? Are you pleasing yourself? And then let's just move through these scriptures together. Michael, come. Psalm chapter 36, verse 7. Listen to the word of God. How precious is your unfailing love, O God! All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. Oh, I love the psalmist. Psalm 57, 1. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. If you're in a place of danger, cry out for God and hide in His wings. In Psalm 63, verses 7 and 8, it says this in God's Word. Because you are my helper, I will sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your your strong right hand. It holds me securely. God, would you do that for us? You did it for Ruth. Oh, Boaz, he was a catch. He was a bachelor. He He was a good man. But Ruth, she was a catch. She was noble in character. Boaz pursued Ruth. Jesus is pursuing you this morning. He's looking for you if you're not his I would just say Jesus is redeemer Jesus is a refuge have you made him your refuge for the sake and the glory of the name of the Father because our hope gets restored in Jesus let's pray Lord I thank you for this wonderful story of a Moabite and a man named Boaz and a story of love that will follow but I thank you for the thread of redemption. And I thank you that you long to redeem those who will put their faith in Jesus and hide under the shadow of his wing. We need you, Lord. May we hide. We, may we find ourselves secure, abiding in Christ and Christ in us. You are our living hope. May we make you our refuge, God. Jesus, we need you. We want to cling to you as... Ruth clung to Boaz. We want to cling to the everlasting God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, I pray people would just cry out today in simple faith and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Lord. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, help me to work. Help me to be fervent. Help me to be diligent in what I do. Help me to bring honor to your name. Help me to bring glory to you, Father. But help me to be a person of purpose and passion. God, give me the heart of Ruth. Help me to be, if you're a man, God, help me to be a man of character like Boaz that protects and cares for others. Oh, God, you're great. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for another Sunday morning to look at the ancient stories of Israel because they're so true. You're coming for your church. Find us hidden you.